Hello everyone, Luke Peters here. Don't worry, I still don't deserve a podcast, but I think I deserve to give you a little disclaimer. These episodes were recorded about a year before they're being released, and that is mostly due towards my own imposter syndrome, with a little bit to do with the global pandemic that's going on. Uh, The guests are amazing, the topics are stellar, and so I just knew I had to get them out there. On top of these few episodes that were recorded in 2020, there are new episodes planned. So keep your ears and eyes peeled for new I Don't Deserve a Podcast. I really love the format. I really love chatting with creatives, how they deal with the imposter syndrome. And I can't wait to chat with people about how they're dealing with this pandemic. Um, With all that out of the way, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Luke Peters. I am your host for I Don't Deserve a Podcast. Today we have another amazing episode of the show. I'm here with Josh Gonzalez. He is the founder of Controverse VR and so many more amazing little VR projects that have come out of that and amazing, amazing things. For those who aren't familiar with Controverse, Controverse produces original VR content that is pioneering and evolving the cinematic virtual reality storytelling world. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on here, man. That I I literally ripped it off your website. Uh, oh, that means we should update that. Then. Yeah, no, yeah. it's good. That's pretty close. It's pretty. It's pretty much explains what we do. So, uh, for those who don't know what you do specifically, can you talk a little bit more about kind of what you guys are trying to do with Controverse and what kind of your adventure through the companies kind of come out with? Totally. I mean, I guess our mission or vision of what the company should or will be is sort of like the Disney of VR, but maybe less child content focus Mm -hmm. and uh, more adult themes. So what we essentially do is we do everything with virtual reality content production and distribution. So the whole end-to-end process of um, developing a story, filming it, editing it, uh, and then distributing it. Uh, We have a Controverse platform on all VR headsets and mobile devices, so you can actually stream VR content on your devices. Wow, that's insane. And so how recent is that like actual platform being created? That was created actually like a year and a half ago. And now we're sort of updating that. We're keeping that app live. But what we're sort of doing is we're pivoting to uh, a software as a service model where we have a whole new platform coming out. It's called Expo by okay. Controverse. Yeah. And it's meant for distributing content um, physically. So at, like we ha- we've had a lot of VR cinema events, as you've seen. Uh, And now we want to use the software that we've been using for this and open it up to everyone. So people can sign up for Expo. They can upload their own VR content. Oh, wow. And then what happens is they get a pin code from their laptop that they can then log in on their VR headset. So now they can have 50 or 100 or 300 VR headsets. They just log in with that same pin code and they have all their content accessed on all those headsets. And then you can do the same thing on an iPad you log in with the same six-digit pin code, and now you can control all of those headsets. Wow. So your iPad becomes a remote to synchronize all those headsets. That's so insane. Exactly. It really is. So now what we can do is create these synchronized VR experiences that you would have at the cinema or an event or a conference. So that's sort of the model we're shifting towards because it's still super early in like the VR world, right? So, yeah. Um, Doing more of these software-as-a-service models and more enterprise stuff is kind of where we're going for money, and then we can use that money to reinvest into new content. That's awesome. And, like, collaborate with new uh, with new uh, companies and uh, creators as well. Exactly. Like, for example, we just did a piece with uh, Canada Goose. It was, like, a branded experience for them. And we wow. did Yeah, it was really awesome. We did, like, the full end-to-end process. We helped them develop the story. We went and shot it. We edited it in 360 degrees. And then we built a custom VR app for them that was branded that said Canada Goose, and they can share it with their audience. That's insane. That's so cool. Because, I, I, I mean, I've known you for, what, like, 
four years at this at this point or something like that like because like four or five yeah four or five years and like when i like was there like when you were starting up the company basically and it's cool to see like it kind of go from this guy who's like kind of interested in vr to like a pretty much a pioneer of the of the platform and in, in, at least in canada yeah, thanks, man. I mean, it's been a long journey, right? Yeah, you've seen the grinding at the first transmedia zone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. No, it's it's really interesting. And I wanted to talk to you kind of that's a perfect segue into it. Like what started that kind of VR experience and then kind of lead you into starting Controverse? Can you tell us like the come up, if, if you will? Yeah, and honestly, it's super early. So I had sort of the idea for this. So the idea behind the company is what would it be like to be inside of a movie? I don't want to watch it on screen. What would it be like to be inside of that movie to be in that world yeah and before vr the best way you could do that is go to disney world or you go to universal studios and you go to harry potter world and you feel like you're in that world that yeah. universe but like what about that story what does it feel like to be in that movie i remember i was probably 12 years old going to the movie theater i was watching like a james bond movie or something weird it was like a really shitty cineplex <laughs> in ajax ontario where i grew up I was like 12 years old, but I remember like sitting down and I was really into vi into video games my whole life. But so I I really understood like the whole POV first person aspects. I played a lot of first person games. Yeah. By sitting in the theater and I was watching on the screen, I'm like, okay, this is awesome. But like I want to be like inside of the movie. Like maybe we sit down on this chair and then like some kind of helmet goes over our head. I almost like, you know, when you see at the salons, I was like hair dryers. Yeah. Like, you go. That's kind of my idea. Like I was 12, I didn't really know. So that, I guess that idea kind of stuck with me. And then in 2013, uh, the very first Oculus, uh, not really Oculus Rift, but the Oculus Developer Kit was yeah. launched on Kickstarter. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, this might be it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the first time I ever tried it was at a video game conference in Toronto. Uh, it was like for student student creators that were showing off their video games. And some of these kids had the first Oculus developer kit and they made some games. Whoa. And I remember I was with Orist. Yeah. Orist and I were there. We were kind of looking for developers that would help us on some projects. And I saw yeah. it and I put the headset on and it was like immediately, as soon as I put it on, the goggles, I'm like, okay, this is the future. Maybe it looks shitty now. Maybe it's really pixelated. Maybe like the content's not great because it's made by students. But like, yeah. this is like, I can see further into the future, like, this will keep developing. Like, it's not going to end here. It's going to get better and better yeah. and better, and it has over the years. So I was like, okay, this might be it. I only played video game content still at that time. So I was like, okay, what would this be like if it was a 360 video? Like, how could you film 360? Yeah. So I was looking up online. At this point, if you searched virtual reality or Oculus, like, you would get nothing on Google, like no Google res results. Wow. So I'm like looking up how do you shoot like 360, and I finally saw these like pioneers that were like putting together GoPros. Yeah. And they would 3D print these rigs. So I'm like, okay, I'll try to do that. So I literally had to like create my own rig. So I had to like get six GoPros. I didn't even own six GoPros. I had to go to like five different people and get different GoPros. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just born this for a week. I need it for a week. Yeah. And I then, just want to try and see if this works. Yeah. And there's, there's a really funny story of one, how it does not work. <laughs> but I had to like measure out, like use my math skills that I definitely don't have to like get the perfect angles. I, I 3D designed this GoPro mount and then I printed it out. And like the one printer we had at Ryerson in the Maker Lab. Yeah. I printed it out. I put all these GoPros in. And then I realized like there was no way for us to screw on this like GoPro rig. It was basically plastic that we just put onto a tripod. Yeah. And I actually have this footage of we have it on the tripod. I go over and I hit play, record. We walk away, and three seconds later, you just see the camera start slowly falling, falling, falling. Boom! Smashes on the ground. I I'm, think you showed me this like so long ago. That's so funny. It's so bad. So it definitely didn't stitch. So that the whole point after that is like now you have these six GoPros yeah. shooting all the way around. Now I need to stitch them. Yeah. They didn't stitch. So no. I'm like, uh, and most people would have given up then. Yeah. So I did it with Oris. I did it with some other friends like Tully. And they, they're like, eh, it's not for me. They didn't really care enough. But for me, I was like, I want to figure this stuff out. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to figure out how to do this. So luckily, the next year, um, it was a fourth year at Ryerson. And um, we had our capstone project, our yeah. thesis project. Yep. Um, and at that time, a really good friend of mine, Josh Maldonado, uh, he's in a year above me. He yeah. did a VR project first, technically in Ryerson, but I was the first 360 video. But he did this like a Unity VR experience. Was it the 3D. blood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, it's basically Magic School Bus going through the the uh, the bloodstream and yeah. learning about the bloodstream in the body. Yeah. So he did that, and he got a lot of investment from that because he was one of the very first people ever to make like pretty good content. Yeah. So he, the very next year, while I was in fourth year, he 
was down in Silicon Valley and he got like hundreds of thousands of dollars of investment. That's insane. It was amazing. And one of the things he bought with that money was he got this GoPro Omni rig, which finally it was like a professional made by a GoPro rig that you put in all of the the um, the GoPros yeah. and it automatically synced to them. So before you'd have to go hit record on six cameras, but this <laughs> you just hit once. So I'm like, okay, dude, can I borrow this? And we had it for like a year. Yeah. We used it for our project. So then we're like, okay, we have the the um, technology for this. I learned how to actually stitch it. Uh, we never actually made content. And then somehow I convinced six other people at Ryerson, Marissa included, to be like, hey, we should do like a VR short film. Like what yeah. would it be like to shoot and like edit and script and, and record everything in 360? And then we're like, nah, let's do, let's do three. And somehow I convinced them to do three 10-minute VR pieces. Where, oh, like, my God. People in our year were doing, like, one 10-minute short film yeah. on regular video. Yeah. And, like, not only do we have to do three short films, but they're all in 360. Yeah. I don't know who, like, allowed us to do it, but we did it. And who they all your, worked out really well. Your, uh, who was your uh, advisor for that? It was John Gerardo. Oh, yeah. He's he, he's, he's, he's awesome. Ho. Yeah. That guy, like, he he's a, one of those teachers where, like, you know, you have a class with him, like, early on. I had him, like, the first year for writing, and he's one of those, like, teachers that really, like, changed me. Yeah. He, like, sent me the script to, the the um, the um script to, like, The Matrix and stuff. Yeah. And this is before I was even doing VR. He's like, yeah, check out these scripts for, like, The Matrix. So that it made sense that in fourth year, come full circle, he was helping us on our scripts for actual virtual reality. And he was like, he's never even watched VR before. The first yeah. thing he's ever seen in VR was our project. <laughs> <laughs> Which was amazing. Well, because you guys were trendsetters. There wasn't a lot around then. No, and, and good thing about that, so I'll also say, because this will probably come up, but it's, it it opened, like, um, a green field, or some people call it the blue ocean. It's like, yeah. the red ocean is, like, there's a lot of competition. People are killing each other for it. That's why it's yeah. the red ocean, the blood. Blue yeah. ocean, like, there's no one there. So VR was, like, a whole new category. Yeah. And that helps. We had these three movies. Where, okay, okay. If we have three, one of them's got to be pretty good because if the first one fails, second one's okay, the third one's got to be good. Yeah. Our third one is the one that like got all of our recognition. It's called Contravision. Yeah. And it's like a Black Mirror episode in VR. And it's super... It had augmented reality within VR and it was wow. all about Black Mirror. So it was like... It had everything that people wanted at that time in 2017. It had AR. No, There's no AR glasses. Yeah. It was in VR and it was all about like, Black Mirror and... Te how technology will kill us all. Yeah. Not actually. But because of that, we got into a lot of film festivals and we were nominated for a Canadian Screen Award. Wow. That's yeah. huge. That's yeah. that's insane. Yeah. So, I, because I, I think that that's a really... I mean, like, that's the come up. That's the, that's the that's the story that everyone wants to have. But I think you're totally right in regards to that red ocean versus blue ocean, because there's so many mediums that have been so oversaturated. I look at film as a great example of that, where a lot of people now are like more interested in being like overly authentic than maybe looking the best that it can look. Yeah. So like I look at something like there's a band I've talked about this band a lot on the podcast is uh, this band Wolfpack. All their video is shot on like... Wolfpack? Yeah. Oh it said like a wolf. Yeah. Pack. It's like wolf a wolf pack. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all their stuff's shot on like a DJI Osmo. Awesome. But the thing is is they were they sold out Madison Square Garden and were filming it with an Osmo. That's all you need. And that's People all you realize need. that's all and, you need. And the thing is, they throw a little, like, crackly filter over it so it looks older, and then you have this, like, really authentic, like, experience. Like, you're... It's almost like the whole idea with VR is, like, you want to feel like you're you're there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the holy grail of media, and that's why Snapchat and, and Instagram stories and all of these social media platforms are so big, because you mm -hmm. just want to feel like you're there. Oh, for sure. Like, I'm addicted to TikTok right now. Yeah. Oh, me too. Like... I it's can't bad. bring myself, I cannot bring myself to download the app. See, so that's what I said. Yeah. But Marissa always had it on. She, like, she would always send me these videos. And then at the end of the day, she would always like all these videos. She would like, yeah. find time somehow to watch random TikToks. Yeah. At the end of the night, she would be like, watch all these awesome TikToks. And would go through it. Then she goes back to her For You page. And then we we realize it's been like two fucking hours yeah. watching people dancing and just doing stupid weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, and Marissa's your uh, girlfriend for Marissa's the audience. my girlfriend. Yeah. Audience at home. She's a great vlogger. Uh, we'll plug all of her stuff in the bottom um i wanted to talk to you about um like i personally believe to create like really groundbreaking work you need to involve the medium especially when it comes to vr being like a fairly recently becoming a viable solution uh like a viable storytelling tool what does controverse do to move the medium forward and are you kind of feeling like a little bit of an imposter when it comes to that like being that like pioneer of a new a new genre of, of content. Oh, totally on the imposter syndrome. Like everyone, 
everyone who's doing anything will definitely tell you that. But I think what we do to move it forward. So before, our biggest thing was we shot, and I should have said this earlier, but this is a perfect question. We shoot everything or at least most scenes in POV. So yeah. remember I talked about what is it like to be in a movie. Yeah. So we actually like mount these cameras onto the actual heads of our actors <laughs> so that when you're looking down in the movie with VR, you can look all the way around. So when you look down, you're actually in a body. You're in the body of the actor. As they're moving their hands, you feel like you're moving it. Yeah. And I would say our next involvement of that is to not shoot it in 360, but actually do everything in game engines and have the controllers actually mapped to hands. So when you start moving your hands around, you're actually controlling stuff. You can physically move your hand forward, pick stuff up, throw it around. Um, the, the greatest example of that is this uh, Star Wars series. It's a Vader Immortal. This yeah, yeah. And it's cinematic as hell, and it feels like you're inside of like a new Star Wars film, but yeah. like you're an actor within it. So that yeah. would be our next part. But I would say currently and like for this year, our biggest uh, involvement is sort of on the audience experience and on the distribution side. So I mentioned Expo. Yeah. So Expo is our big platform that we're coming out with, and that's where we're going to be doing a lot of our... Um, we're going to be putting a lot of our resources into, and we think that will have the biggest... Um, engagement and the biggest impact on the industry because we found out um, if there's no great platforms to showcase the content and if there's no audience, no one's going to create good content. And if there's no good content, then no one's going to be watching it. And then you get this whole downward looping spiral of people not watching content because there's no good content. No one's creating content because there's no one to view it. Yeah. So if we create these awesome platforms with all the good content that that's out right now and put it all together, there's an easy way for people to actually experience it, to actually consume the content. Then they're going to be hungry for more. Yeah. That's, yeah, like I can't agree more with that. I think that, and especially like, I mean, I'm going to keep coming back to film because I don't know much about VR specifically, but I think you're totally right. Is like, if you don't have an audience, then you don't have uh, the drive to create content. And it's the same thing with like YouTube and everything like that. There is, what is it, like a year of content or like 10 minutes every minute or something like that? Like, what's like, there's a weird, insane number about the amount of content that comes out of YouTube, like every second or something like that. It's a and thousand hours per second. Yeah, a thousand yeah. hours per second. And so, I think it's that same idea where it's like, yeah, people are hungry for new content. And so YouTube is going to continue growing and continue having that content. But especially with something like VR, where you're kind of being a pioneer, you're being on that forefront, you really need to find a reason to get people to watch it. And then that gets people to make it. And then you kind of have that cycle going up. Exactly. And yeah. that's what we're trying to find. What is that sweet spot? Um, it's it's difficult because it's sort of like we're building content. It's like this. It's like creating iPhone apps before, like, the iPhone 3G came out. Yeah. Like, when the iPhone 1 came out, the only way people were getting these apps was through, like, jailbreaking. Yeah. Remember that? Like, people would jailbreak their Their, their phones, like, CD or whatever it was called. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, with the Oculus Quest, so this is the newest headset out by Oculus, and I would argue it is, like, the iPhone yeah. of VR, finally. Yeah. You don't need a PC. You don't need a phone. It's just all built in. All the sensors are built in with the headset, so you can track the room. You can walk around. It's incredible. It's like the oh, best. Oh, so there's thing. no lighthouses or anything. No, no, yeah, no. It's all built in. So those oh, wow. trackers are in the headset, looking out. So it's called inside-out tracking. So those oh, cool. cameras basically attached to your face, reading the room. Mm. Um, but Oculus is, and again, it makes sense for like early stage. They're they're very hard gatekeepers right now yeah. as to what can go on the platform. Like they're not just letting anything go out. It's oh, not like YouTube. Sure. If you can just have an uh, an internet connection, you can upload any video. Yeah. Oculus, you have to get, like, approved before you even upload your app. Like, you have to send them, like, a pitch deck of, like, here's our idea. They're like, okay, great. Now go build it. Not just yeah. go build it, submit it. And like, no, we don't want this on our platform. You just spent eight months yeah. or a year building something. So now there's this whole thing called SideQuest coming out, okay. which is sort of like this jailbreaking thing. You install it <laughs> on your headset, yeah. and then you can just install all these random third-party games that did not make it onto the platform. Wow. So, because you mentioned game, like gamifying uh, narrative a little bit, um, do you find that you are why 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 go that direction? Why go the direction of having like the control instead of like telling a narrative, uh, a very structured narrative in that way? I think there's a good like balance. It's like we go to like it's like a spectrum, right? So on mm. one end of the spectrum, there's like pure story. That's yeah. like film. It's just yeah. 
it's on rails. They're telling you the story. And with film, it's like they're showing you specifically what, what you they want you to look at. Like, yeah. here, we're going to do a super close-up on your watch because the time is, like, very specific, very specific yeah. time. Like, yeah. you got to know, right? Or, like, on the other end of the spectrum, way over here. My hand's on to the right now. That was the left. Here's all the way to the right for those <laughs> listening. Um, it's like video games. It's just straight up like Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, just gaming. Like yeah. there's no story. But then like Fortnite or something like that, where it's just pure just, game. Yeah, pure it's game. It's gamifying and it's like super addictive. And it's like there's level ups. There's like, oh, I need to level up this gun. I want to get like these new perks. I want to pay for this new skin to look cool. Yeah. Um, and then right in the middle is like you have like the campaigns. Like the Call of Duty campaign is super cinematic. There's yeah. gameplay, but then there's cutscenes and stuff, right? Yeah. So in VR, I still think there's somewhere right in between. And like I said, I think Vader Immortal so far has done a really good job of finding that middle ground. It's like there's great story and great gameplay. It's fun to use the Force. Yeah. It's fun to use a lightsaber, but then it's still telling a story and there's still cutscenes, and it feels like you're in that cutscene. Yeah, and I think that was something that, like, when I first started playing video games, like, it was, like, stuff like Halo and, like, Star Wars Battlefront 2, like, all those years ago. You have this kind of, like, dream, this vision of a future where the cinematics look as good as the gameplay. Yeah. And I think that, like, I don't think we're there yet. I think we're getting really, really close Man, to there. Man, we're so close. Like, I'm, I've been playing God of War. Oh, it's insane. It, it's it's amazing. Like, the, I I just got a new 4K TV. It's okay. Like HDR. Yeah. And the graphics on this thing looks incredible. Yeah. And again, we'll look back on that in 10 years and be like, that looks horrible. Like, remember when PS1 or PS2 came out? Like, it looks so realistic. Yeah. PS2, look at this 3D graphic. Graphics, the lighting, and then you look back on it now, it's like that's horrible. Do you remember Milo? It was like a, it was a demo for, um, and this is a little bit of an off topic, but I mean, I guess it kind of carries in. Uh, when Connect first came out, it was the, it was their basically their system be like, hey, this is what Connect can do, and it was basically a video of this girl on stage uh, talking to uh, a, a, a boy. And they're like by a lake, and it's like, hey Milo, or it's like Milo's like, hey, can you draw me something? And she's like, sure. And she drew something on a piece of paper and handed the paper in front of the connect, and it scanned it, and then he took it and held it in his yes, hand. Yes, I hundred percent remember this. I didn't remember until you mentioned the drawing because yeah. I remember that was so visceral. Yeah. yeah, and nothing, nothing came of that. It was just basically a proof of concept. But I think that specifically with VR, we're getting very close to the point where you don't need that separation of like it's like it's almost like a loading screen in regards to narrative where you have to be like scan this and then it hands in where if you're in a vr experience and like it's kind of gamified the things that you do in the game kind of carry over it's almost like a role-playing game like dungeons and dragons yes and i think that that's something that you brought up which is really interesting is like having like dungeons and dragons but in a vr game and i'm going to use this as an example for like a little bit like in Dungeons and Dragons, you can sit in a bar and never leave the bar as long as like your DM doesn't like, hey, stop this, go go have an adventure. But like, I think that's the cool thing about VR in regards to role playing is it's your kind of adventure, and that's kind of the progression that I kind of see you going with in regards to gamifying it. Totally, it'll be very personalized, um, and again, the multiplayer aspect will be huge. Think like RuneScape, like these MMO RPGs, yeah. like these massive multiplayer, and that's what Facebook is. So Facebook owns Oculus, the biggest yeah. VR company. Wow! And Facebook is the biggest MMO RPG in the world. Yeah, it's just flat, and it's yeah, it's it's still also like an alternate reality. A lot of people fudge what they post. And, yeah, and their filtered images and all that stuff. Yeah. So the next step of that is putting people into the world. Yeah. And this is crazy. Okay. If you go back and rewatch the movie The Social Network, yeah, there's a scene where Justin Timberlake is like in a hotel room and he's like freaking out. I think he's on drugs or something, but like he's with a girl in the room and then he starts having this like epiphany before he invests in in um, into Facebook. He's like, yeah, first we lived in uh, in um, what do you say, like, uh, villages, then we lived in cities, and now we're going to live in the internet. Yeah. Like, holy shit, yeah, that's what's going to happen, dude. Yeah. It was a really cool, it's like, if you go back and watch it now, you're like, whoa, it's kind of creepy, but it totally makes sense. Yeah. And then it makes sense for Facebook to buy Oculus. Yeah. So it's like, you'll have these stories as well 
in VR that you couldn't have in real life. Because mm-hmm. right now we're just sharing our real life stories on the internet, but soon you'll start having these experiences on the internet and maybe you'll share that in real life. Yeah. Like we'll talk here, like something that happened in VR. Like, oh my God, remember when we were in like that city and like that guy flew over and then like the dragon came? Yeah. And it's like, our grandkids are going to say that as if it's like nonchalantly as something that actually happened to them. Just yeah. like, like, hey, that streetcar passed me yesterday. Like, Dude, I rode that dragon over to your VR house. Like, yeah. You know? Well, I think the craziest thing, and this kind of ties right back into the whole point of the podcast, is if we're in that point where we're living in this digital world and like our world, we have almost like an imposter syndrome in a really psychological way where you don't, I forget what the, the, the condition is, but there's a condition where you have a really hard time telling if you're dreaming or not. And yeah, there's a whole joke. It's like, Oh, it's just inception. Exactly. Exactly. But like, I, for a while, had um, this basic dream where I was woken up and, like, started my day and was really tired, so I took a little, like, rest, and then I woke up again. Yeah, that's where I've had a lot of those. And it freaks you out. Like, it really makes you, like, have a really hard time, like, grounding yourself. Yeah. And so I think... But here's the thing, okay, so with VR, too, I don't think, hey, the way we're kind of talking about I don't think we're going to live in there all the time. It's, like, the same amount of time that I just played Call of Duty last night with some friends because... One of my friends lives in Ajax. He's about uh, two hours away from me. And my other friend lives in Nova Scotia. There's no way that we can physically hang out. So we're like, hey, go on Call of Duty. Let's play together. But then, like, that's kind of what it'd be like. We'll play for, like, a couple hours, hang out, whatever. Uh, I don't think it will replace our whole day-to-day. And I would never do that. I'd never go in VR for, like, that long unless I'm, like, working and I'm, like, editing. But, like... I don't think that's what it'd be at all. Like, there'll be people who are super addicted and do that, just like there's people who play video games all day long in their yeah. parents' basement. Yeah. But I don't think it'll be like that. I think it'll be something like you're going, again, for what we're doing, we're doing it so it's like you're going to a movie theater. So it's yeah. an event-based thing. Yeah. You go for like an hour or two, whatever, as part of an event or a marketing campaign mm-hmm. or something like that. You know? It wouldn't be like your everyday. But that will be the AR glasses. Yeah. That's when it replaces our phones and we have our devices on our heads. Yeah. And we have information into the real world. Yeah. Like, I forget what the company... There's a great company out of tr- out of Canada. North. Th- North, thank you. There you go. Great company, Perfect. really yeah. bad product. I hope they evolve. Because I would love to see a Canadian company yeah. do it. Because yeah, otherwise no, it's I noticed going to be Facebook. Too. I, be Facebook. I no- yeah. yeah, I noticed that too. It was... It's a really... And it's a whole idea. Like, I think it's the, the narrative that we're kind of going on is... It's trial and error because you're in a new genre. You're and in you a have new to medium. just do it. Yeah, you, you have to keep to fail. doing stuff. Even yeah. if you just have to do what as best as you possibly can. So it's like, you know, cycles. You want to go up as far as you possibly can. You're going to plateau, fail, whatever. But from that failure, you're going to learn and you're going to, you're going to keep going up, keep going up, keep yeah. going up. And you want to just keep evolving. You want to keep uh, progressing. That's what we do. Like, we're not going to stop. You know, right now we're like, oh, distribution. So let's just keep getting better at that, better at that, better at that. Then, like, we haven't done, like, our own original films in, like, two years. So we're going to be a little bit worse at that. So now we have to get that better, get that yeah. better. Build out a team that just does distribution. Build out a team that just does content. So we have great writers, great directors, great producers, and then great salespeople on the yeah. distribution front, right? Like, you want to, like, have a good balance of that and get those better at the same time. For sure. And I, I it was we were talking a little bit about, like, how visually... Uh, satisfying the uh, the Vader Eternal thing was. You're talking about how uh, cinematic it was. Uh, there's a term that's thrown out a lot in the VFX and special effects world, which is the uncanny valley, which is basically the idea that uh, the concept of that humanoid objects uh, that like imperfectly represent. So like in Star Wars Rogue One or even the new Star Wars movie, like when they're recreating characters that have uh, or people that have passed away or people that are like younger, like de-aging, like in the uh, in the Irishman, like it's the same idea. Or the Will Smith movie. Exactly. What was that one? Uh, Gemini. Gemini. Yeah. Or whatever. Gemini Man, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, do you think that we're running into that issue with VR where it's like because it's almost like a, a flipping it on its head where it's you're in the body of someone, but you don't truly believe that it's real. Like you don't believe that it's you kind of thing. Yeah. No, Uncanny Valley, 100%. Like remember, like you're playing like PS3 or even like some PS4 games. Like you yeah. can definitely tell that it's CG and it's like it looks really good, but like it still looks robotic and like yeah. the mouth movements weird. That's what the Uncanny Valley really is. In terms of what you're talking about, uh, feeling like you're there, that's presence. And what they've actually found is graphics have nothing to do with presence. Mm. They've had really low poly, um, really basic 3D stuff, 3D world stuff, and people have felt 
more immersed in there yeah. than some of the stuff that's trying really hard to look realistic. Well, I think that, and the, the, this is, I Your think brain people, doesn't care. Yeah, well, it doesn't I think, matter. I think the thing that people really, I think this is where the uncanny, uncanny uh, this is where the uncanny valley kind of confuses people is if, say for instance, uh, Super Hot, which is one of my favorite yeah. VR games, super low poly, super, super cool, super great style. And you feel like super, you're there. Like, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The issue comes from when it's trying to look like real life, yes. but it's not real life. Totally. So something like God of War that you're talking about, cinematically gorgeous, but you have a character that's almost cartoonish in in a certain way, yeah. but you have the realism of it, almost like Gollum. Gollum doesn't yes. look human, but he is so successful because it's just far enough from the human like psyche that you can be like, oh, that is what a creature like that would look like. Yeah. And so you don't, you don't, your mind you don't doesn't think, do it because you've never seen it in real life. I've never seen this weird alien stuff. Like so, yeah, you'd be better off creating like interesting alien and like other humanoid for sure uh, people rather than like actual humans because you're like nah I see people every single day you do not fucking look like one of them yeah <laughs> and your brain's like you're like an outsider right so your brain telling you that I don't trust it's like error family. error error it's like it's like a don't the white, trust them. <laughs> it's like the white blood cells rushing to like a foreign object oh, in your yeah. body yeah it's literally like that and I think that that's really funny because it's like I watch a lot of people like digesting or like like kind of like taking apart uh, like science fiction like uh, like CGI and stuff like that and uh, I'm gonna you go back to Rogue One it's like oh like let's zoom in on the upper lip the lip is always controlled by like the way your mouth moves and stuff like that yeah. so it, it moves and so that's a small thing so you as a human you might not know why something looks wrong but your mind is like that's wrong it knows yeah it just happens to know yeah, yeah. and it's like I'm trying which to think is good that's, that's what I'm saying like yeah I think there's like we have these biological factors that maybe even start to diminish over time because like it will start getting hard to tell what's real and what's not mm-hmm. again in some of these VFX like you don't think twice that shit does isn't real. You're like, oh, that's totally real because it looks so real. Like a lot yeah. like, in pre-rendered VFX. VR is different because it's all um, real-time engines. So it's yeah. the computer trying to build it up at the same time that yeah. you're looking at it. But I don't think there'll be an issue later on. I think it'll be more so like um, developers, um, content creators, and platform aggregators and like the gatekeepers like Facebook. They need to create stuff like what Apple has added with the um, screen time. Yeah, uh, implemented. Like when you're in VR games, like you can't see the time. You're mm-hmm. just in the game unless you you have to think to press the menu button, then you can see the time. Yeah. Otherwise, you're like, oh, I didn't even realize I was on here for three hours, and that's what people were saying about TikTok. So I think yeah. they updated it recently because maybe it's illegal or something. But they made the app full screen in your app, and it doesn't even show the time or like your notifications or anything. Wow. And you're in TikTok, so you're just scrolling, scrolling, and you're just in TikTok, and you can't see what time it is. You don't yeah. know if someone's texting you. It's weird. But I think they they updated it now. But that was like something that people were bringing up. I think that it's really interesting that you bring up that we keep bringing up TikTok um, and other kind of social media. Like you were talking about how like Facebook in some ways is a little bit of a, a video game because of the way that you're set up. Hundred percent is a video game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that likes go- you want to try to get the most likes. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And I think that going off of the oh, but TikTok's even worse than that oh, for the for gamification because sure. people are always trying to go viral and it's super easy to go viral. Yeah. on TikTok. Yeah, it's- and you're viral for a second and then it's done yeah but people are like they're trying to build careers off of going viral once it's like no that was a fluke that was a fluke in the in the algorithm yeah whatever you did like you know you rode that wave but yeah. uh for that to keep happening you have to be like a big content creator like zach king that guy does like the guy that does really cool vfx and yeah the stuff. photoshop because uh, photo- yeah you have to keep coming up with good content and that's hard when yeah. you're on that hamster wheel it, it gets really because it's really short you have a short you have a short attention span and you have a short platform like you basically like I don't know what the limit for time is, but like you have like what like a couple seconds to make something that people are like, oh, this is awesome. I'm gonna keep watching it. Yeah, and they want to keep coming back, and they're gonna follow you. But it's like weird because like you're posting these short bits of content versus film, where like a filmmaker might make a, a film per year or once every couple of years. It's yeah, like one big masterpiece as opposed to piece of content every single day. So like we're seeing that content creation structure changing so much oh yeah it's a it's a whole new it's a brave new world um and i think another uh, side of that is that 
I think it's really interesting you bring, we keep bringing up film because I think that that is such a clear indication of the imposter syndrome where you have these people who are creating this like five second video or like, sorry, 15 second, 20 second video and it goes viral. And then you have someone who's making a film that that's like three hours and it's like winning Globe and Globes and like Oscars and stuff like that. And like, what is there a better or is there a worse because there's a lot of funding towards the film, but, like, you have to kind of really, really adapt and grow as a creator when you're creating, like, a TikTok. I mean, it depends. It depends on what you're trying to do. So, like, getting the Golden Globe noms... Again, like, we had our nomination for the Canadian Screen Awards, which is, like, yeah. a Canadian Oscar. Right? Yeah. And it was, like, the very first time... It was the very first year they've added VR. It was really yeah. cool. And we got to attend the awards, and we're there. And it was really awesome. It's a great, like, laurel for us to put on, like, you know, a little badge. Yeah, put on. for sure. But... That it doesn't matter. Like, what is it? Depends what your goals are. If your goals are, I just want to be nominated, great. But that's all like it's vanity metrics. Yeah. Right. It's like getting a lot of likes on your Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook accounts, but not monetizing that. Yeah. So great, great example. So we're gonna be submitting a Canadian um, a CMF Canadian Media Fund yeah. uh, application to create new content. So the Canadian government graciously funds content, um, and they have two metrics of success. One is obviously financial success, yeah, which is really hard in VR right now. Like oh, for not, sure. Like maybe now with the Quest, and if you get a great experience, like a lot of people will buy it, and you can make a couple million, maybe, yeah, which is not a lot. Like games usually make billions, yeah. But then there are other metric of success is critical success critical acclaim mm-hmm. that means um getting written up in in variety getting yeah. written up in whatever magazine or whatever online publication it is sure. that means getting nominated for uh, experiences that means going to film festivals yeah. and the critics saying oh this is great this is a great piece of content so it just depends what you want to do yeah right? and Do i, I just the, say I that again yeah just say that again that what? last that last uh it depends i guess depends on what you want to do yeah so whichever way you spin it it depends what you want to do do you want monetary success or do you want critical success you know the best ones do both you know um i was going through old vhs tapes that i had uh, i found in a box i might want to sell on ebay some of them might be worth money but then i saw a titanic yeah it's, it was a two-part vhs because it was so fucking long yeah so you literally had two vhs's and all it said on the back of the vhs it didn't say what the movie was about who's on it it just said all of their oscar nomination they had 11 oscar wins wow best picture best director best um sound best um you name it yeah. best vfx they had everything they won 11 Oscars. Yeah. And it topped a billion dollars. Yeah. So obviously something that's good and has the distribution model for people to consume and pay for it will also make a lot of money. Yeah. So you need both. Yeah. I think that's totally true. And so I guess tying it all together to our topic of the podcast is like as someone who has had both critical and financial success, are there moments where you feel like you haven't deserved these these accolades and and how do you kind of get past that? Yeah, the monetary one is is interesting because that is harder to feel imposter syndrome with that because usually, and the way my mind thinks about it, is like the amount of money you make on something is just proportionate of like the energy that it gets. So if people like it, they'll keep paying for it, whatever. It's yeah. weird in like an artistic thing, like people pay me for this thing. What we've been doing for monetary success has been more on the B2B business side. So it's us helping companies. So obviously we deserve that money because we're doing a lot of work to help them. Like we're building out experiences for them we're creating events for them we're doing all these things so obviously we're fine with that the critical critical success obviously you always have some kind of imposter syndrome we're like man we were up against like jurassic world like a vr experience of jurassic world that year for the the nomination so we didn't expect to win if we won that would have been amazing and crazy but we're like we don't expect to win but the fact that we're just up against these this search to show here's all this amazing content and then there's like us it's like this indie project that's like this is student work that was for my very first vr piece first yeah. thing i've ever directed just to have it up there it wasn't so much imposter syndrome i'm like okay great so i did something right yeah how can i do that again or what was good about it and how can i keep doing that and i think that's a big a big part of the imposter syndrome is 
trying to kind of take successes that you've had in the past and try and like replicate it and that's that's a hard thing because you're not going at it from the same point of view anymore you're not like hey let me make something cool it's like let me try and get that success that i got from the last one yeah and i think too like it's it's all about ego at the end of the day always ego so i never think oh it's me it's i did this it's like no i'm thinking uh who had a part of this um what did we leverage because a lot of the times like we're not and I'll just say it straight up, like we're not using always just our technology. You're always standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Whether that's for the content piece of like people helping out or like the actual technology. Like even with film, like you weren't around when film was first developed. No. Like when they built all these cinemas and built this amazing distribution network or when Netflix went viral and everyone has it now. And now you yeah. have this viral Netflix series. You know, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. So it's all about having humility and not thinking, oh, it's me. I did this. I'm this artist. I'm this great, amazing thing. It's like, no, I got lucky. I was at the right place at the right time. I used the skills that I had that I've been working on over the last 10, 20 years. And we had amazing people to help out. That's what it's all about. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that that, that's the journey that a lot of people have to go on is be like, I know that I can create good stuff, but I know that I can need help. Like, I think asking for help is so important, especially in especially when you're in like a pioneer of anything yeah. is asking for help from your peers, finding mentors, finding people to work with you. It's so, so crucial because you're, you're totally right. You know, you, you're never doing something on your own. There's always even if it's like even if you are a pioneer of some new genre, there's someone who inspired you to do that. There's like that James Bond movie you saw when you were 12 that can be the catalyst for your success but you're not going to be like every single time you go uh have a premiere of one of your films or one of your projects like hey shout out to that james bond movie i saw when i was 12 thanks so much i owe you everything like you're not giving like royalties to to james bond you know (laughs) it's it's the whole idea of like stealing like an artist like paying homage paying prestige to to the people you you achieve to be and achieve from kind of yeah and you gotta steal because the thing is nothing is original yeah and i was just thinking about a great story I had this like weird epiphany yesterday even. It's like okay, great stories are like one of two things. It's like one, it's never been done. Like no one's even thought about this. It's something totally different, so unique. Yeah. Or even more successful is something that has been done a million times. Yeah. Star Wars, every freaking movie is the same thing. Yeah. Uh, every Disney movie is always the same thing, just rehashed with new characters yeah. and new environments. So you have like this, same with Pixar, right? Yeah. It's always like the same thing. Again, like the hero's journey. If you follow these things that everyone's done, it doesn't matter. Like, you can literally recreate like, recreate movies from like the 50s and 60s and bring them back. Like yeah. all the most successful movies in theaters anyways right now are the ones that have already been like animated films or books or something. Yeah. And they just readapted it. Yeah. Which whatever, some people can say whatever they want about it, but it's just like there's good story there. Yeah. And then you can just use the technology after. So one of our um, uh, our values at the company, we have like our vision, mission, and values. One yeah. of our values is story becomes t- Story comes before technology. So you have a great story. It could be a great book. It could be anything. It could be literally anything. That's a great story or a great framework. Then you could put the technology on top of it. And then that's when you figure out, okay, maybe VR isn't the best for this. Yeah. Maybe this should be a comic book. The medium comes after. You want to fit that great story into a medium. It's just the way that you tell it. It's just the delivery of that story. Yeah. It's it's At the end of the day, it's a vehicle. The medium is the vehicle. And I think that that's such a great, great point, especially in regards to the imposter syndrome, where you have all these people, like, struggling to create content, really worried about if their content is going to work. And instead of just being like, hey, let me create something, see how it goes, and maybe it didn't work the first time. Maybe you're going to try it in a different way. Like, uh, my thesis, like, we never ended up showing it anywhere because it just didn't work out. But... I'm re-editing it. I went through all the audio. I went and remixed everything just from the stuff I have. And I'm going to try and adapt into a web series. Awesome. And that's the thing where it's like... shot and edited. Everything's done. Everything's done. What was it? What was the project? uh, It was on the idea of the fact that you have, like, this perfect person in your back of your head of, like, who you want to be with. Like, Mm. very superficial. Like, oh, like, she goes to brunch. She, like, has, like, red hair. She, uh... is, have, like, you, have you seen You? I've, the Netflix series You? Because it sounds a lot like You. I'll have to check it out. you got to watch it. And that will give you some really good inspiration if you're going to put it into like a web series. Yeah. I mean, it's already shot, whatever. But it's yeah. really, like the way that they edit it and some of the VFX in there, like sure. very subtle. Yeah. So the yeah. But the, the cool thing with it is 
she, anytime she's having a thought and anytime she's having like a self-reflection moment, she goes into this almost like a museum in her mind. Oh, that's awesome. And so uh, the cool thing with that is I actually, as like a, because I originally wanted to do these really huge visual effects like in it, but I ended up getting a really cool illustrator from Berlin to illustrate these like characters. And then I'm going, I built in like Illustrator and Photoshop these spaces for her to walk through. So it's like, I don't have a type and that shows photos of all the girls she's dated. Um, my health, my relationships have been healthy and it's like a construction site of all the different relationships that mm. she's been in and they're all like in shambles. But my favorite one is, um, what's it called? Is it's like three statues at the end and it's like, these are, and it's like at the bottom you see the plaque, it's like, this is, this is Archie who's the main character. This is uh, Eloise. And then uh, at the end it says like, it's like, this is your perfect girl and it's empty. Because it, oh, it doesn't, doesn't exist. You yeah. don't have a perfect girl. You, you, yeah. you, your relationship, and I'm sure you can attest to that, is all about growing as a person with that other person. You guys grow together. You, need, yep. No one's perfect. And to say that you're perfect is illogical. Yeah. Yeah. So on that point, so you're you're going to make this web series. Yeah. On that, and then it ties into this whole idea of nothing's perfect. So the, yeah, the nothing's project perfect. itself is not perfect. Nothing. And like the things are imperfect. A lot of the times the mistakes become like the nuances and become like the the little quirks that make that piece of content work yeah. really well. Well, I think that that's and and the whole idea of the podcast is about me not deserving a podcast. Like I'm not I had no I hate audio with a passion. I don't like it, but I know audio Audio as a medium or audio as like a, an art form? Audio as me doing audio, as me making audio. I love audio as a platform, um, but I just, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at mixing. I'm not good at like editing it. I don't like it. So audio as a, as an art form. Yeah. But the thing is, is I know that this works as like, this is a great audio podcast. Like this is, I think audio is the best platform to talk about the imposter syndrome because I think that you have a lot of people listening to the show kind of pausing it, reflecting on an idea that was brought up from one of our amazing guests, and then going and making something. And yeah. it might be, and I'm, and I, and a lot of people are like, how do you know if someone's listened to your entire podcast? I don't want someone to listen to the entire podcast. I want someone to be inspired halfway through and be like, let's go make something. Yeah, like, that's great. That, that's all I needed. That's yeah. the thing. Because, like, man, it's like infinite content, right? It's like we have this, like, maze of content yeah. on the internet, and it's so, like, it's incredibly... Um, what would be the word for it? It's very uh, unstructured. It's just yeah. like this web of content, but you never know what link will lead to a link to another link that you're like, oh, I watched this YouTube video and that just inspired me, or oh my god, I just saw this one tweet. Yeah, so that's why it's really important to curate all your streams. Like, yeah. unfollow your high school friends on Instagram. Yeah, follow great artists, follow great filmmakers, follow people who are really inspiring. That's what I've done. I'm just saying, yeah. you just gotta. You literally like cut all that shit out well, you and just use feed social, your mind yeah, with good you stuff. You use social media as an inspiration instead of like a delegation of thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I guess the last thing I want to say is, and this is kind of because we're we're running out of time. But the last thing I want to ask you is, can you give our audience three tips, three little lessons from you on what to do when you're faced with the imposter syndrome what works for you when you're when you're down when you're feeling this fear of failure when you're feeling this like uh perfectionism like oh someone else is doing that better than me and you're feeling this anxiety about creating art okay i'll give you an example right now okay. we're having a really big a really big issue with one of our apps that we're trying to submit to apple i've been talking about gatekeepers here apple yeah. is the worst gatekeeper they rejected our app six times. Wow. We've been on the phone with their representatives five times, and they do not understand what we're trying to do. And I, I, know, I know it's because we don't have in-app purchases within our app, which means Apple gets 30% of all of our subscriptions for our software. Yeah. And we're tr obviously trying to get around that because we're not selling a subscription through there. It's just a pin code. Yeah. Right? I mentioned that. So... Regardless, it's been six times it's been rejected, and I know it has nothing to do with the app, but a lot of people would have stopped after, like, three or four. I'm like, oh, I guess this app isn't going on on iOS. Yeah. Let's just go to Android. We're persistent. Like, it's, this has been since, like, October. Wow. So I've been, I've had literally depressed days after talking to their people and being, like, I'll just completely say it, like, completely um, spoken down to by their representative, this one woman in particular. Like, she, like literally said oh but your app is a horrible user experience like how do you 
go around that where Apple, like someone from Apple tells you that. Yeah. And then obviously the next call, she denied it. Yeah. So you have to just take the shit in strides. Yeah. Not let it get to you. Take a deep breath. I meditate a lot. And just go on to the next thing. Like, inevitably, your project has a million things you need to do. If one thing doesn't work out or if there's a failure and you're like, oh, I suck, fuck that thing. Go do the next thing that you know you can do and do it really well. Do each little piece as well as you possibly can. And you can never feel imposter syndrome because each little piece, you did it the best you possibly could. If you know you fucked up on something, if you know you just threw it out the door and you're like, ah, I don't really care. I'm just going to shit this one out and just do it then you can feel some imposter syndrome because you didn't do your best work but if you do your best work and you take any criticism with like a tiny grain of salt and you just move on and do the next thing yeah the best thing to cure imposter syndrome is to do another thing yeah so if one of our films like failed like they all i'll call them failures right now yeah for all intents and purposes it's not like oh they're failures okay let's fold the company fuck that i'm like okay what were the good parts of that? Yeah. What can we do to make better content? Mm-hmm. So I guess that that would be all my advice. If you can kind of like decode all that random shit that I said, um, meditation is also a huge thing to do. If you can meditate, uh, even like guided meditations on um, anything from like self-worth and like self-esteem, those mm-hmm. usually help. Yeah. Uh, and then just go on and do something else. Or if you're feeling really down, do something that has nothing to do with work. Go play Call of Duty. Go in VR and play Beat Saber. Go yeah. and do whatever you want. Watch porn if that's your content that you yeah. want to watch. Do whatever you need to do to get your mind off of it, but yeah. just do something else. Well, that's, I mean, that's great. You have, th- th- those are, take everything with a grain of salt. Keep working on projects as a small thing. Meditation, that's an awesome one. And have time to blow off steam. Work on non-creative things and just kind of get that energy out so you can go back and tackle it. Exactly. Consume great stuff so that you can bring in, because there's this whole thing. There's this great saying. I'll leave you with this. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. If you're intaking garbage, your output's going to be garbage. So just take some time to just like take in great content. Speaking of great content, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Josh, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Uh, your app is coming out hopefully soon. Um, fingers crossed that that all kind of coagulates into something that that is going out there. Anything that for audience to check out, any cool VR experiences you want to recommend? Um, so if you go to my website, actually, I have like all my VR content on there. That's not just Controverse. I did another piece called Odyssey using Beeple's yeah. uh, 3D art. He was on the podcast. Um, so you can go to joshgonzalves.com. That's J-O-S-H-G-O-N s-a-l-v-e-s dot com and I'm sure you'll link this in the description yeah. um, so go there that has all my stuff all my social medias are linked on there um, I'll be starting a blog very soon I have some pieces I want to put out so just okay. like thought pieces some uh, reflections and stuff like that and I'll put a, I'm going to create a resource page so yeah people are interested in like what tools we use and like how should i do this or or how should i start vr i'm going to have a resource a resource page for all this stuff oh awesome and just yeah. a, a little like help kind of guide to teach people how to get into it right yeah help guide that'll be a blog post and this resource will be more of a hub of like certain tools like we have some really cool secret weapons that we use at controverse oh, um, nice. like productivity hacks and stuff like that yeah and check out uh vader immortal uh josh is totally right it's an it's an awesome experience yeah really and even cool. if you don't have a vr headset just like youtube it vader immortal vr it's really awesome yeah well thanks so much for coming on the show josh cool thanks so much man this has been another episode of i don't deserve a podcast i might not deserve a podcast but i hope i deserve a subscription, a like, a comment, all your fun things. Uh, we have social media. We have Twitter and Instagram now. Uh, Twitter, we are called I Don't Deserve with a, a, what's it called? Underscores. So I underscore don't underscore deserve. Uh, on uh, Instagram, it's I Don't Deserve a Podcast. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thanks to our hosts of the space, uh, 876 Studio. It's an awesome studio space around Manning and Dundas in Toronto. If you need a mix master of a band, a performance, or a podcast like this, give them, check them out. Uh, I'll link all their stuff in the bottom too. Thank you so much for our jo- uh, guest, Josh. And guys, have an amazing day. Oh, 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 oh,